This week, even though Liam Neeson has a bit of the gray in his hair, he's taken in mil- millions and millions of dollars in his nonstop action movies for the past decade. The exact amount is unknown, but I'm sure trying to count it would be as pointless as, I don't know, riding the commuter train all the way across town to take a walk among the tombstones. It's Movie Fixers! Welcome to Movie Fixers. This is PT. I'm Jonathan. I'm Kevin. And I am so sad that you didn't get a curl reference in there. I'm impressed by your amount of Liam Neeson's in that <laughs> title. Uh-huh. A lot of action. Uh, action Liam. Action Liam. <laughs> that, was, that was one of those actors, like after I started seeing him, especially after the Batman Begins movie. And then Star Wars, and like, oh, hey, now I know who that guy is. And then I started to realize I had seen him as a kid in two movies that we loved. And one was Krull, a crazy fantasy movie. And the other one was um, uh, High Spirits, where he plays a ghost in an Irish castle, Peter <laughs> O'Toole. That sounds pretty uh, good. Let's do that one like, next week. Yeah. Oh, no one's seen High Spirits. Have you seen High Spirits, PT? No, it sounds awesome, though. I want to. Yeah. <laughs> it's Steve Gutenberg in it, too. Like, oh, it's a Gutenberg. To, okay. It's a comedy. They're trying to save this castle. It's like a hotel. And their plan is they're going to make it haunted and invite people to come stay and, and like show them that it's a haunted castle. <laughs> and then, as it turns out, it really is haunted. That that's an '80s premise if I ever heard one. Oh, it totally is. It's it. just it's totally silly. Sure. <laughs> All right. What what is this podcast that, that we're doing here, Jonathan? All right. Oh, yeah, we well. are the movie fixers. Uh, we take a mediocre to bad movie, something that needs little uh, adjustments, little fixes, and we each throw out three of our own personal suggestions and fixes, debate them a little bit, and try and come up with a movie that would be much better for audiences and critics alike. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we are 100% and successful. Always, of course. If, if people made movies like we suggested with our t- perfect 2020 hindsight, uh, yeah, they would all be Oscar worthy <laughs> and make a billion dollars at the box office. You, you know what? By the way, this just came into my head. This is my dream. Have you guys seen uh, uh, this TV show, Drunk History? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah. So uh, have you seen it, Jonathan? No, but I know of it. All right. So, so I would I would love for them to do like a, a movie fixers TV show of like like that style of us, where we would be just telling the fixes, and then like actors are like acting it out along with us. That'd be great. And then oh, they like awesome. they cut it into the, into like a fake version of the movie. Oh man, I just, this is this would be a great TV show. I'll 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 uh, be working on it the rest of the episode silently. Yeah, that right. would actually that'd be fun. Actually, yeah, it'd be super fun. So. In case anyone out there has like a million dollars, I suppose it probably doesn't get you too far anymore, but yeah. a lot of money. Drunk History started as uh, a YouTube channel, so we could, we've got to work. Oh, perfect. <laughs> oh, are we going to act out like our 15-minute review well, shoots? Oh, that, would be, but... that would be the best. <laughs> <laughs> so what oh, are we doing man. this week? All right, oh, this, this week. So Liam Neeson. Oh, are you going to summarize it first? Yeah, I'll give us a quick summary. Uh, the movie is Run All Night. Uh Liam Neeson is a old alcoholic mob enforcer who's killed a bunch of people. He has a son. His mob boss also has a son of approximately the same age. 
Liam Neeson kills the mob boss's son. Oh my gosh, to save his own son's life, to get even. The mob boss wants to kill Liam Neeson's son. And they have one night to remedy the situation, which of course they do, and ends up killing Liam Neeson and everyone else except his son gets to live happily ever after. So if you haven't seen the movie in a while, that's uh, your refresher. Kevin, tell us a little bit about who made that thing and who's in it. Well, so it came out in 2015. Liam Neeson, as you said. um, Also, Ed Harris, Joel Kinnaman, Vincent D'Onofrio, Nick Nolsey, Bruce McGill, Genesis Rodriguez, Boyd Holbrook, and Common. Directed by, and I looked up this guy's name, and the page had, like, I swear to God, the pronunciation was written in Russian or something. So what I know is he was the director was born in Spain. So I'm pronouncing his name as I know how to speak Spanish. Jaume Coyet Serra. Nice. Perfect. All right. Yeah. Uh, written by Brad Inglesby. This one has a weird budget number. I've never seen this for a movie, but it says 61.6 million gross and 50 million net. <laughs> they broke out the I don't know. What, I don't know what that means. <laughs> But uh, it had a box office of seventy-one point seven million, so not good. Huh. I mean, maybe they should stop releasing Liam Neeson movies in like early spring, because, uh, or maybe that's why they do it. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. I, I'm I'm just looking right now. IMDb has it as twenty-six point four million gross in the U.S. Yeah, IMDb only gives you they don't give you the international. So yeah, I mean like yeah, I don't I don't doubt your number, but boy, that sounds low. Oh, it's low. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Like I like I said last episode, I had not even heard of this movie, so they must have done a bad job of getting the word out to people like me. Yeah, yeah I can't. Just... I, I can't wait to hear you guys' take on this one. Well, let's well get, can I get... can I give you the tagline that's on the movie poster? Oh, yeah, it's really please. funny. Please do. No sin goes unpunished. Oh, man. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Was... Sure. That's as meaningless as the We Are Your Friends title uh, of the last movie. I was hoping did. it was going to be something like Marathons for Pussy. We run all night. <laughs> <laughs> Only drunk people run. All right. Well, <sighs> let's get into the page scale. Let's, I'm curious about you guys' take here. Uh, I, don't, I don't know why I felt this way, but I went five. I don't have a reason. I just—it was kind of painful. Okay. Okay. I, I. <laughs> it's the more I thought about this movie, the higher my number went. So I ended up going with an eight on this puppy. <laughs> and, and I think part of it was uh, I wasn't in like the mood. I don't think to watch this movie. So I really like. I was never ever into it for like any any second of watching this, and it just. It was painful to watch for me, like all the ridiculous, stupid plot holes and stuff. And anyway, eight for me. Hmm. Okay. Well, I, I um pretty much the other end of the spectrum, two for me. Um, oh, which which two. isn't which okay. To be clear, isn't to say like I liked the movie really. Like it was fine. It wasn't painful to watch, but it. I think much like last week's movie, it was like super forgettable movie that I'm sure after this podcast I will never give one moment's thought to again. Uh, right. So it's like, yeah. it like, but it wasn't painful. I was like, I was like, yeah, that's all right. I guess I don't know. Well, it's funny because in my review of it, I gave it actually a pretty good review, all things considered. Um, uh, and I said the the writing was pretty tight. And then watching it, I'm like, wow, wow. I got that one wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's so okay. Yeah. So that makes me. I, I'm really intrigued by that because uh, 
like for me, like let's get into the over under because that's the shocking part for me. Like it was a sixty percent critic and fifty six percent audience, and, and I thought that was way over. Like the fact that any critic, like I, I would have thought this would be like a twenty five percent critic rating watching it. Um, so yeah, yeah. yeah I, I thought it was about properly rated. I was like, this, you know, sixty percent fine. I felt like it was a very like cliched movie but i thought they did fine with the cliches you know they executed them well so i don't have any yeah, problems that's, that's the way my review went was like i was annoyed by tropes like really tired tropes that we saw in this movie but i thought like it was a really simplistic plot which is probably why i said the writing was pretty tight but so i would say after the first viewing that rating sounds right after a second viewing you're like oh that rating sounds wrong <laughs> okay thank you yeah yeah Interesting. Well, I I didn't like, uh, honestly, like uh, watching it, I did not have any problems with the plot. Uh, Maybe, I mean, I certainly didn't think about it too hard, but I was just like, yeah, it's fine. So I'm very curious to see what what you guys' uh, plot holes are. I I don't think it's the, yeah, there's there's holes, but the plot is fine. It's just there's, when you're you're not paying attention because you've already seen it once and you're looking at other things, you're like, whoa, wait, that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Oh, wait, wait, that doesn't make any sense either. And that kept yeah. happening. That kept happening. Yeah, I was going to say that that was my whole movie, like viewing experience of this movie. I was just like, I was like, wow, well, like, you know, like the first time I was like, wow, this is really thin and doesn't make much sense, but I'll forgive it. You know, we'll see where they're going with this. And then like, I had to keep saying that again and again and again. And I was like, oh, wow, this is just kind of a mess. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you said the more you it. thought about it, the more your number went up. Where did your number start at? Started at six, so it didn't go up that much. But the, <laughs> oh, okay. You know, like right away, I was like, "Oh, this is pretty brutal." And then, like, then when I started to, yeah, kind of like go through it in my mind, I was like, "No, yeah, that was really, really brutal." <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, right, anyway, well, we'll yeah, about some moments of genius before we start uh, starting on the plot. Okay. Well, like last week, I went with a quote, and this one was a. Uh, there's two lines. It's two guys exchanging a thing. It's when. Uh, the the goons show up at the friend's house looking for the family and the guy's like do you always serve your friends chicken nuggets and the response was we're on a budget (laughs) i was like yeah i can see your house that's not that's wrong yeah that was the (laughs) that scene was funny um that moment of genius was like i like i like the opening scene not the very opening scene but the the scene where we kind of meet Liam Neeson in the bar where he's just like, cause I, I went in knowing nothing about this movie. I was just like, all right, this is going to be a movie where Liam Neeson is a badass. And then uh, his introduction where he's just kind of a drunk that everyone's just laughing at and stuff was, was pretty unexpected to me. So I was like, Oh, that, that caught me off guard and I enjoyed that. Okay, cool. Um, I went with the, uh, Ed Harris, Liam Neeson, meet up scene where like Ed Harris is like gives him his whole speech thing he's like I'm gonna kill your son and then we're gonna have this meeting again and you're gonna look at me like or I'm gonna look at you like you're looking at me thing or whatever that whole doubt but that whole scene actually was like it was kind of like a, a cliche kind of a stupid thing but for whatever reason it really worked like that was i think what sold this movie and maybe like just ed harris's acting and liam neese's acting in that scene made it work for me 
Yeah, those guys are both good actors. So they, yeah, they it was the only up. scene where I was like, "This is cool." Like, I'm I'm down with this. Sweet. So let's see what the problem was. Not now that we're done being kind. I'll, I'll go first because I because I think uh, you guys will probably have more uh, problems with me. But the, for me, the real problem was just that it was a bummer. Like the whole the whole storyline, the whole setup of it, and everything is just such a bummer. It's just like. He's this hitman guy yeah. who's alienated his entire family, and now he's like, <laughs> you know, his best friend wants to kill him, and his son hates him, and like, just everything about it is just, just a big old bummer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I mean, I don't like. I mean, I obviously that's your your opinion of the problem, but like, I never hold that against a movie just because you know I, some movies should be tragedies. I like that. Oh yeah, some some movies definitely should be, but I don't know if. if I like, oh, I'm gonna go watch a fun movie where Liam Neeson kicks some ass, and then it's just a super <laughs> bummer. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mine, uh, mine was pretty concise. I I summed it up as it's not John Wick, and I don't like John Wick, but at least John Wick's fun to watch. This movie wasn't very fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this movie definitely owes a debt of gratitude to John Wick for sure. I mean it essentially had the exact same storyline right they just made it a little so, little more of a bummer yeah <laughs> turned up, turned yeah. up the bummer dive a little a lot more of a bummer yeah and it wasn't uh, like there's was nothing cool about this movie i mean they they weren't going for that either it was more of like a gritty you know almost gritty crime drama thing more than like the cool stylized action that you had in john wick but right. anyway yeah, my my main problem with this movie was just the sloppy story elements to it. Where it, it was like they had a good premise. Like I did like the premise. Like okay, so he he's essentially forced his hand to kill this other guy's son, and then kind of as a matter of honor, if you will, or whatever it is that you want to call it, then you know he, he comes after the Liam Neeson character. So it's a cool premise, but it was just super sloppy storytelling. Yeah, I don't know. Like the, even even the premise, I feel I don't know. I felt like it's like man, maybe you should, guys should just not kill each other. Let's just let's just all stop killing each other, bad. <laughs> sure. Oh. Well, I mean, like the the way they laid it out, like I said, that that's where the sloppy storytelling came in. Where it was like, oh, like theoretically that sounded cool to me, but especially the way they did it, where it was like, oh yeah, well his son was already going to be killed by these other guys, and right. he, you know, he was a total screw up anyway, and clearly they were really good friends, so most of all the, the, the catalyst didn't make sense at all, where it was just like, oh, none of those things would have happened, even when like the limo driver coincidentally happened to be the childhood friend of whatever his his buddy Danny was friends with whatever Liam Neeson's son's name was they uh-huh. would have just called it right there they would have been like oh yeah oh sorry man I didn't know it was you I'm just <laughs> gonna turn a blind eye and drive away peace yeah, out you know it's stupidly like my my only now that I'm thinking about it my only problem with the plot the only moment where I was like well this is stupid was when um at the beginning when Liam Neeson like needs money and he's like yeah I talked to your dad and your dad sent you sent me to you to get the money like why would he like if I was going to borrow money from Jonathan, would he like send me to, to his to his son yeah, to get the money? That's, I'd totally that's weird. send you to Weston. <laughs> like yeah, it's in his piggy bank in his room. Got to go get that. I mean, yeah. I got it on now, but that seems too right. simple. Yeah, that's this... true. I didn't even think about that one. Yeah, weird. But I'm sure that's the yeah. least of the movie's problems. But it, <laughs> it bugged me a little bit. Yeah. 
<laughs> uh, okay. Is that is that all the yeah, all, all problems? problems. All right. we're, all, we're all done. So let's, yeah, let's fix this let's sucker. Fix it. Um, all right. Well, I'll go first with a quick one. Uh, so, like I kind of mentioned in my moment of genius, I really liked the like kind of bumbling, like has been loser aspect of the character, and that just like disappeared. Um, it went, when he found out he had to go save his son, which I kind of, I mean, I get what they're trying to do that like, he, you know, he just clicked on to his old self, but I liked, I liked that, uh, kind of bumbling guy. I wish, I wish they would have kept some aspects of that, uh, throughout the rest of the movie. Huh? I am completely the opposite. Hmm. Okay. I, and I've even to the point where I want to discuss once we're done with the fixes, whether or not drunk dad slash superhero cop is a pet peeve that we can just, start calling out all the time because it's to me it's lazy right it's just an easy way to give a backstory to a guy who has to redeem himself like oh he's drunk and he's he's wrecked his family so he's gonna redeem himself from that like okay i've only seen that like a thousand times yeah well i mean i I like the way they did it though in that first scene it wasn't just that he was a drunk who wrecked his family like i mean people in the bar were laughing at him he was like just a laughing stock and a a fool basically so that that's what i you know, yeah, and liked about it. I so kind of convinced... give, oh, give him a pass on this one, too, because it wasn't his drinking that wrecked his family. Like, the drinking was a, was because he was so remorseful over the life he had led. Yeah. And that's why he left his family. So I think I, I give him a pass in this case. Like, I agree with you that it is a, a total cliche, and we could probably movie sin it, that, you know, um, it's, just, it's just the alcoholic thing, and that's, the, that's what caused the demise of his his family relationship but this one it was more like because after he you know separated himself from his family and he couldn't deal with all the actions of his life then he became an alcoholic which makes sense to me Uh, yeah i mean that's why i would have i would just drop the drunk part like the, the his family being broken because he was a hitman makes total sense and the reason why, I mean, I spent a lot of time on my review talking about it. I don't give a shit that he's drunk. I want him to save his son because his son works at a, you know, he's trying to help fatherless kids grow up and have a chance at life. Like, that's why I'm rooting for him. Sure. My biggest problem with the drunk thing is that literally th- this all happens in a day. And the guy yeah. is passed out drunk, gets up <laughs> long enough to get hammered and play santa claus and then somewhat sobers up and then stays up all night like doing this big mission thing where he's like sharp as attack i was like no way yeah give give the guy a chance to sleep it off or whatever but oh, or do the whole movie when he's drunk that would have been awesome yeah yeah that would have been awesome too but yeah. commit you know what i mean don't just be like well you know you just uh he's better now yeah. i'd like to know how that would play sober out up. <clears throat> Yeah, I don't if know. Right, like, if he's drunk, like I'm intrigued by how how you would write that movie. Yeah, it was, it was kind of fun. Yeah, like like personally but for how, me with with a few. Does it turn into a comedy? No. No. Okay. Um, like I I, th- I I was I can't remember why I was thinking about this or who I was talking about this with, but I think like recently in Hollywood, like I remember like in the 80s and 90s, it was always a thing that in action movies it would be a totally ill-equipped person who was in over their head. Like, not always. I mean, of course, you had your Schwarzenegger movies and stuff like that. But, um, you know, if you look at, like, Jurassic Park, it's just, like, some scientists there who are in way over their head. Um, versus the new Jurassic Park is, like, a badass 
in there, you know? So it seems like we've kind of lost that, that old movie kind of thing of like someone just ill-equipped to handle their situation. And, uh, I would like to see this movie be a little bit more like that. Oh, so are you saying don't even make him a hitman? I was saying make him a hitman, but make him a totally washed up hitman. Yeah, that'd be fair. And cause, cause I think by default, you don't have to be like a mob enforcer hitman guy. You're not like a super badass, you know what I mean? You're not an army ranger, you're not a navy seal, you're not a super assassin. You're just a dude that goes up to people that are regular on the street people and you happen to have a gun and they don't. That's a mob enforcer. You know, they're they're not a super highly trained skilled assassin. They're just a dude who roughs people up. So, and especially if they're out of the field like that like Liam Neeson was for years and is an alcoholic, then yeah, he's not like a super badass. He's just a dude. Okay. We could see that. Okay. Right. I think I'll I'll rescind mine and go with that one. I but I do hate I hate that combination where he's super drunk but then is super awesome. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. That's lame. All right. Agreed. All right. Are we adding that to our pet peeves list? So, so say it to me again. So it's just the 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 alcoholic dad ruins the family for backstory purposes. Is that the? Yeah, it's kind of that. And the I think it's more the alcoholic dad slash superhero all like bundled in one. Okay, I think that gotcha. needs to stop. Okay. All right. I'm down. I'm good on the list. All right, uh, you guys both did your first fixes, right? I think I only did. I don't think Kevin did one yet, did he? Yeah, since mine's the exact opposite, and it's not... Uh, <laughs> and I, I think I'd rather go with yours, like you were saying. Um, I'll wait a little bit. <laughs> go ahead, Jonathan. Okay. All right, my first fix, I just wanted to get it out of the way because it's just a, a little trivial kind of one anyway. But um, I won a different director slash editor uh for this or at least to get them on the same page because this movie had like a ton of like stylized cuts and transitions and edits and like weird bullet time cgi shots with like the sun in the beginning and it had like those weird cgi'd camera zoom out and go across the city and stuff like that but then clearly like the director's vision of this movie was like a gritty crime kind of a thing. And those two did not fit together at all for me. And then also the way they filmed the action sequences with like the, the cut, every, you know, the, um, yeah, the cut and, and, and transition every like quarter second just made it look terrible. So I, I want somebody else to edit this film together or <laughs> at least the editor and the director to be on the same page as to what they want this movie to be. Cause it really bothered me throughout the entire movie and took me out of it. Um, so yeah. I, don't, I want that changed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm with you there. The first time they did the like zooming from one place to another thing, I thought it was kind of cool because, because it was just like a block over and I was like, okay, they're just going to be, doing this to show right, us that this whole thing is like yeah this whole thing is, takes place in a small area they're gonna keep it's gonna let us keep track of who's where and stuff like that but <laughs> no they, that was not the purpose i don't know what the purpose was but i'm with you yeah but even before that they had like the opening narration which is another thing where 
from Liam Neeson. And then like they had his son like ducking behind trees, right. shooting bullets yeah. out in <laughs> slow motion and having the camera wrap around it where it looked all CGI type. And it was like, oh, that didn't fit with that, the rest of the film at all. And they do that a couple times. Right. Mm-hmm. Agreed. That whole beginning was okay. terrible. Yeah. Should have made that one of my fixes. <laughs> Get rid of it. Okay, so then uh, I guess my my first fix then is I'm going to fix Danny. Because just like in John Wick, I hate when the like the mob boss's kid's a total fuck up and he knows it and he's, you know, one more screw up away from dad shooting him in the face himself. And then dad getting all bent out of shape when, you know, the kid gets in trouble again. I'm like, you just you just fed him to the Albanians. You literally said, go take care of it yourself. Knowing full well they probably were going to kill him. So he's not, Danny's not going to be a fuck up in, in this movie. He's, um, he's going to be like, just have a deal go sideways, but his, his dad's not going to know about it. Um, and Danny isn't going to know Michael either. The fact that they're childhood friends is just absurd also. Cause like Jonathan said, when they see each other, he'd be like, Oh, Hey, we're really good friends. I won't tell on you. Right. I also know that you're the son of a mob boss. So I really am not going to tell on you. Right. Yeah, especially especially um, with the the, you get the sense that the neighborhood they grew up in was very you know, I'm sure they would have right. grown grown up with that code or whatever, if not not schooled on your friends. Yeah, yeah, clearly, and like, yeah, I mean, like that 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 was really the end of the movie for me was when <laughs> one he just happened to be the limo driver of the Albanians like that, and then that limo driver just happened to be Liam Neeson's son. Who you know? All, all the connections were so ridiculous, and then when they saw each other and instantly recognized each other, yeah, they live in the neighborhood where they would have that code, like nobody rats, especially those kids. You know, the, the those kids that have grown up with those specific parents, like they would have just been like, "Whoops, sorry, man. Yep, I don't even know what happened to my fair tonight. They just ran off, and I never saw them again. Peace out, man. You know, wink, wink, nod, nod, done." Exactly. Yeah. So the last thing going along with that fix is that. Uh, Jimmy is going to let's see Jimmy's going to kill Michael that doesn't make sense Danny is going so the same thing Danny goes to go kill Michael um, and again Ed Harris knows nothing about anything that's going on but he, um, he's not going to know that it's Michael sorry I got the names all mixed up Jimmy kills Danny but doesn't know that it's Danny until after he like flips him over or something he just knows that some guy showed up to try to kill his son. Okay. Why is he trying to kill his son? It's the same reason. Like, uh, maybe we can fix the contrivance of, well, if they don't know each other, he can be the limo driver and then it's okay. He can just take off, you know, and they've got, oh, got okay. his wallet. Okay. I got you. Yeah. Cause that was another weird thing when he was like, Hey, look, here's his wallet. Here's where he lives. I'm like, well, shit, you probably already knew that. Yeah, it was, a, it was a weird throwaway line there. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw in my second fix really quick here because it's essentially exactly what we're talking about. Uh-huh. Um, so because none of that made any sense, um, I wanted to have. Uh, so let's see. So Danny is the other mob boss's son, and Mike is the Liam Neeson's son. So anyway, uh. So I want Danny to know that he's going to kill the Albanians and he needs somebody to be a scapegoat for it. 
so he basically calls up uh uh whatever Liam Neeson's kid, Michael. Mm-hmm. And he to meet him somewhere, like calls his limo service or whatever. And that's how he like essentially gets him in. And he's gonna set him up like he killed the Albanians and do his whole staged thing. And he does it because he knows that it, since it's Liam Neeson's kid, the police won't catch, won't question it. They'll assume like, oh yeah, he was dirty and he's Liam Neeson's kid, and he was somehow involved in all this stuff. So at least there's a sensical reason that like it, it's not just random coincidence that he just happened to be out the same time driving a limo for these guys. Danny actually was gonna set him up. Uh, to take the fall for his mistake and kill him. And that was his game plan. And mm, that's when okay. Le- Neeson comes in and, and kills Danny to save his son's life. So I just wanted there to be like a real reason that really bothered me that it was just that random weird coincidence. And then he just wanted to keep on trying to kill him for really no reason. Hmm. Yeah. I think you'd have like, you could do that. I think you might have to set it up a little better. Like why the, their backstory or something like that. Cause just because the way they set up the Liam Neeson son is like, he's out of the business or, or you know, he never was probably in the business. He's just a regular right. dude. So it, weird. it's just kind of seems weird that you just pick him, even though, you know, it makes sense. Right. I was trying to kind of fighting against that too. And that, that was my only logical reason that it might work was that Danny would be like, well, the police won't question it because he's Liam Neeson's son. And, you know, of course, you'd have to like really set it up, like have him making the plan with his buddy and trying to figure out who the scapegoat is, and for whatever reason, deciding on him at the end. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't mind that the like the coincidence because because it's the inciting incident in the movie. You know, it's like what sets everything off. I, I feel like that can be a coincidence. But I mean, what if what if it was just like that? He uh, same scenario, but but Liam Neeson's son pulls out a gun and sh- and shoots. And shoots the mobsters on not realizing who it is or whatever. Like they just have an altercation, don't recognize each other, fight, and then like, oh shit, I just killed the mobster son. So Liam Neeson didn't even kill the guy. Yeah. You know what? I I kind of uh, like that too because it was really bad. Like how good of friends they were, and then he's like, "Oh, gonna kill everyone, not just you, but everyone in your family." I'm like, really? Seems a little uh, much for you. I mean, you just gave the guy a sandwich. <laughs> yeah, it, like yeah, it's just a hard sell because it doesn't make any sense. That's why all that is a hard sell. <laughs> yeah, I feel, I feel like the more the more you can simplify it, the better. Like it's just the son ex son for whatever reason killed the mobster's son, and now the right, mobster's if, trying to kill his son, and so he has to defend him. If you're gonna do that, you almost have to, because like I get where the big problem, like the reason they had the coincidental limo limo driver, is because they should know each other, you know, and they do, you know, like um, that that that's what makes this tough. Like it's re- it would be really hard to sell to just be like, oh, they just bumped into each other on the street, had an altercation, and one killed the other one, without realizing who they were, even though their parents are like lifelong friends, and you know, yeah. yeah. No, I, I like Michael being the killing Danny instead of Jimmy. That works better. Sure. Okay, PT. Yeah. Um, 
I'm, I'm gonna fix it. They're dumb. Uh, <laughs> the second one was just is well, it's I guess they're not dumb. They're just kind of vague. Like the second one is just set up that hitman better. Like I just wanted them to make it more clear, like that that was that was like the new cool guy who is who is almost Liam Neeson's replacement, and maybe even make it so he's actually his replacement. That when Ed Harris needs stuff done now, that's that's the guy he calls, and maybe even tell a little bit of the story of why he doesn't call Liam Neeson anymore. Um, but just make it more clear that the that hitman is the the replacement. He's the, he's the new the new generation who's like much better equipped uh, than Liam Neeson to be a hitman. Well, yeah, he's got that you know night vision monocle and yeah. Right. I know, I've never seen a night vision monocle before. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't use a six shooter and a sweet yeah. sweet Bluetooth headset. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and no, I'm totally on board where. Uh, it especially didn't make sense when the guy's like, oh, I'm going to pay you a whole bunch of money to go kill that guy. <laughs> right. And he's like, what? I'll, no, just I'll do, do it for free. free. Yeah, that guy, sure. And then he literally would do it for free because like, after Ed Harris dies, he's like, well, I guess I'm just going to keep doing this anyway for free. Yeah. Right. I'm just in. Which really doesn't make any kind of sense because at that point he could have just done it anytime he wanted to. <laughs> right. like, Man, I hate that guy so much. I <laughs> right. just, I'm going to go assassinate him. That's my job anyway. Right. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, um, let me throw one. This is a. I'm kind of. This is my dumb one, I guess. But I also think it's important. Is the scene, you know, the big apartment building shootout that needs to be edited oh, so Jesus. much better, so it doesn't look like they're trapped at the end and then they're just escaped. And you're like, wait, how'd they get out of that bathroom? There was literally God, another I, door in there. Yeah, I hated that scene, especially when they're like. They go through so much effort to be like, there's police all over on the ground. There's a helicopter in the air. We've got them surrounded. And then they're like, oh, hey, we, we got away. Just no explanation. There's no like trickery. Just walked out the front door, I guess. Yet normally they would even like, you know, zoom in on like a manhole cover, or, you know, a yeah, broken window or something. That's all you had to do, something. Like, no, we just walked even, out. They weren't paying attention. I mean, the helicopter even, just left. <laughs> Right. Even a broken window in that scene, like your normal cliche, like the police are coming in the front door and you show the broken window or the window they escaped through. That Even that wouldn't have been a big enough sell for that scene. Yeah. It's like, oh, we got police everywhere, all over the ground, helicopters in the air, and oh, no, they got away. Yep. Oh. All right. With you there. Is that two fixes a piece? Should we head to the concession well, we stand? Are. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. Let's go to the concession stand. So Movie Fixers is brought to you by Audible. You can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash moviefixers. Yeah, you can pick from 180,000 titles to choose from. You can Holy to cow, that's a lot of titles. So many titles. If you listen to one of those, a day, I just let me do some quick math. Yep, if you listen to one of those a day, it would take you 180,000 days to get that through That's amazing. Nice. Uh, one of the titles you could pick kind of what they were going for in this movie and didn't get there, I don't think, but what they were going for, I think, was kind of like a Dennis Lehane novel kind of a, a feel. So, uh, so you know, if you want to get the real thing, you could check out uh, A Drink Before the War by Dennis Lehane over on Audible. If you like fun fun crime stories, pretty little crime stories. Uh, Sweet. Yeah, so you can download that or any audiobook of your choice at audibletrial.com forward slash moviefixers. Again, go to audibletrial.com forward slash moviefixers to get your free audiobook today. Today, today, today. Back it's to the late. Auditorium. Can I do it tomorrow? <laughs> uh, no. 
Oh, <laughs> man. You'll forget. I... All right. So let's see. Quick recap. Let's see. We got the director and editor fixed. We've dealt with Liam Neeson's character a bunch. We've dealt with Danny's character a bunch. Oh, even Common. I like that we get with Common. Who do you think that the director told him to be like, "You're going to be a stone cold killer," and he was like, "I can do that." <laughs> that's exactly that's, me. That's that's my role. Because uh, he, like, you know, kind of like the last movie, he did not emote ever, even when they were burning his face off in a fire. No. Yeah, he sort of like it looked like he got a little irritated, and then he was cool. Take it like a man. So yeah, all right. So where are we going now? Uh, I'm gonna do mine because unfortunately, like, I'm just in sync with PT lately. My my third fix was actually with Common as well. Nice. And it, it was the same thing as PT, where I was like, man, it just it bothered me that he had such a hard on to kill Liam Neeson for no real reason that they gave the audience. <laughs> so I wanted uh, I wanted them to just do a little quick backstory on him, where like um he killed his son too. Yes. No, that would have been great, but that wasn't what I came up with. Um, I wanted Common to be a the enforcer for like the other mob boss in the city. So they were kind of like, he was kind of always the redheaded stepchild where Liam Neeson had this great reputation. He'd come on, obviously, as this slightly older generation. And, uh, and Common had kind of always wanted to take him out and kill him. But he was under the protection of... Uh, you know, Ed Harris, which would cause a gang war or whatever if he just went and killed one of his guys. And so Ed Harris basically calls him up and he's like, yeah, he is not under my protection anymore. If you want to take that guy out, go for it. And that's all the ammo common needs to be like, yes, killing him puts me in the pole position and makes me the official most badass enforcer. And that's what gets him going after Liam Neeson. Nice. I like it. So I just basically just really wanted to give Common a backstory that made it sense for him to come after Liam Neeson. Sure, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I dig it. All right. Um, All right. My third fix is, and and I don't know how much this would break the movie, but I think they just switched the two endings of like, uh, you know, him going up against the other hitman and going up against Ed Harris because. Like once they kill Ed Harris, the Ed Harris one is obviously the more emotional. Like one, we should put that one at the end, man. Sure, <laughs> makes much more sense. Huh? Like I mean, I get. I guess I get why they didn't do it because the, that's not a very big, you know, action scene. It's not as exciting, but but uh, it seems like that's the emotional ending of the movie. So, well, are you killing? I agree with you. Are you? But are you going to kill Liam Neeson in that? battle with ed harris um, like they're gonna die together like they talked about yeah maybe maybe that maybe he gets badly wounded in the battle with the hitman and sure and, and you know what that kind of well actually that that makes a lot more sense with your uh you know don't have liam neeson be like a super mega badass where it could be uh after he kills the assassin he could tell his son like yeah this you know it's going to keep coming like the, the, you know, Ed Harris is going to keep sending assassins until you're dead. There's only one way this thing ends. And then he goes to fight, you know, kill Ed Harris. And he's not, he doesn't just go through and wipe out the whole gang and get to Ed Harris. He goes through and along the path, he, he, you know, through kind of a combination of luck and old skill, 
makes it through, but he keeps getting more and more injured, more and more injured. And when he finally takes out Ed Harris, he's already, you know, his number's up. He's already taken enough bullets or wounds or whatever that he's going to die no matter what. Okay. Nice. I like it. His guts are falling out. He's literally yeah, holding he's in just, his intestines. He's he's doing a diehard kind of a move where he's limping along and there's just his own blood trail is going behind him. <laughs> Good. Okay. And then I'm going to throw my last fix in because it, it's – it's a tweak, but I was very proud of this one. Um, the you know the list that he made for the cop that had all the names on it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. When he dies and the list falls out of his hand, I want them to zoom in on the list and see Sean's name on there. Ooh, yeah, I like that. Which one, Sean? He's Ed Harris. Yeah. Oh, so cool. like at least the cop will know that he you know he killed, took out this mob boss also. Nice. Yeah, like that's cool. Yeah. One funny thing about that list was it seemed like that list was shorter than the amount of people he killed in this movie. I was like, <laughs> yeah, because they were suck. saying it was, didn't they say like 16 or 17? Yeah. yeah. I, so. I mean, that's not counting everyone he killed that night. Right. So, Hold on, I need another piece right. of paper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, did, did you write, be... did he write Danny's name on there? Because I feel like he should have. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that would be hilarious if he like, if he was like, wait, and like, as he's dying, just trying to fill out the rest of the list, pound on there, right? <laughs> and then he runs out of ink. Guy, guy with guy with mustache. Sorry, don't know his name. Pen? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, all right, awesome. Very good. Very good. The one one right. one other minor like uh, bonus fix is that they need to make the two sons look more different like i was uh the son of of the mobster and the son of uh liam neeson like i was watching it with my wife and she was like getting super confused about who the diff- two different people are they did look very really? similar like yeah, two, yeah, two skinny like, little white dudes yeah but they had mike liam neeson's kid was like super like had a shaved head like that was like the telltale right, difference right. yeah he also wasn't snorting coke out of his <laughs> secret desk drawer either <laughs> oh yeah damn it why didn't I use that as my moment of genius? I totally <laughs> forgot about it. You know, the it's great. Drawer? Uh, they, nobody, yeah. That's a I'm thing, like, I was, uh, drawer. <laughs> yeah, I was looking for something in uh, Molly's desk in her office, and she has, like, a little pullout, like, it looks like a cutting board that's right there on the top. I'm like, that's what he used. Really? That <laughs> nice. exists? I thought he had that custom made. I was like, wow, how, that's <laughs> really dedicated to your cocaine if you're having a custom drawer made. Yeah. Uh, Let's just assume it was custom made. Totally. Uh, all right. Another funny thing that I wrote down was that uh, so there's a scene where uh, it must it must be right before they kill the mobster son or whatever, where Liam Neeson is standing next to his son and he's just towering over him, clearly much taller than him. And then when he gets arrested, when the uh, Liam Neeson's son gets arrested by the cops and they like call in, they're like, "Yeah, we're searching for a six three male." I was like, what? If that guy's 6'3", how tall is Liam Neeson? Is he like seven feet tall? What's, what's going on? Oh, now I want to know how tall he is. <laughs> I don't know. That's really funny. Well, I look that up, you got any trivia? Any more trivia? Um, no, the trivia for this was super lame. Um, yeah, it was basically all about the other movies that these cast characters have been. I could tell you how... how uh, you know, Liam Neeson and his son were both in movies with Batman, and I could tell you about how Liam Neeson actually has a son with the same name as his son in this movie. But those are all Liam's facts, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give you any of them. 
Oh, okay. okay. Those are pretty lame. Uh, Liam Neeson is 6'4". Okay. Oh, so he's really um, big in real life. And then Joel Kinnaman, that's the son, who we, we've already done a movie with. We've done at least one movie with him. Yeah, he's the third, a third timer because he was in um, RoboCop and he was in, what was the other one? Shoot, I know there's one other what? one he was in. He uh, it was a cameo. Because I mentioned he was a... Uh, he was like standing behind somebody in an office, like he, and he has like two lines. Oh, was the girl with the dragon tattoo? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. and he's yeah. six two and a half, so they're the same height basically. <laughs> right. Oh, okay. Huh. All right. Liam, they, Liam so they, must have been in Liam Neeson's contract that he got to get the better <laughs> angle. Yeah, he got he got lifts in his shoes. <laughs> yeah. All right, I do have one. Did you see that sort of? And it's it goes along with your you know like what they did, but it's it's more that this director. It basically, his almost his whole filmography is Liam Neeson. So he directed Run All Night. He directed The Commuter that just came out. He directed Nonstop in 2014. He directed Unknown in 2011. <laughs> wow. He's got a couple other in there, but basically, if Liam Neeson's in it, he's probably directing. I think, think they're just buddies or what? I uh, Maybe. I don't know. Maybe they get along really good. Yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, they just must have become friends on like, you know, they did the movie Unknown. He's like, hey, I really like you. Let's do some more movies together. Yeah, maybe uh, Liam Neeson accidentally killed his son. And now to make up for it, he's going to start all his movies. <laughs> yeah. He's going okay. to have to film all night. <laughs> film all night. The sequel. Oh, geez. Right, give, us right. the, give us the new movie, Kevin. Okay, so uh, we're gonna first first thing we're gonna do is get the director and editor on the same page, which includes that scene that doesn't look like they escaped by magic. Um, Danny is not gonna be a fuck up. He's also probably. Do we decide if he's gonna know Michael or not? Is that a thing? I feel like it works better if he doesn't know Michael. I, I think it's so hard to. I mean, like I'm I'm for that, but the big problem is then how do you sell that they you know their dads have been lifelong accomplices and yeah. friends i mean we could it's we could say that liam neeson like worked hard to keep his family away from that life or something yeah that's that was I what guess. i thought yeah all right sure i, I mean, mean i could go either way but especially if I he just, was as, if he was estranged from his family early enough in life then it would be easy his wife just kept her away from him yeah that's yeah. true i guess it's one throwaway line like yeah you, like yeah that you never saw me after i was one year old yeah so, done yeah, so yeah, there we go. Done. All right, so um, we're going to have Michael kill Danny instead of Jimmy. Um, let's see. Oh, we're going to keep him drunk and that he's just a washed-up hitman who's in over his head at this point. We're going to set up Common much better. We're going to give him a little bit of backstories that he's the enforcer of a rival mob, and now he gets to finally take Jimmy down. Um, and he's also the replacement with the new gadgets and stuff. Um Swap the showdown at the end so that his his showdown with Sean is the last thing we see, and they're going to die together because that's what they said they would do. And then we'll zoom in on Jimmy's list and see that Sean's name is there. Powerful ending, dude. Nice. I felt good about it because Jonathan watched it over here, and I didn't mention. I was like, oh, I got this one, but I can't mention it at all. Well, well done. Too good. Nailed. Cool. It. <laughs> All right. Uh, if we if they'd made that movie originally, they'd be making a sequel right now called Run 
run tomorrow night also. <laughs> that would be <laughs> like run, run, run all morning. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Don't go to bed yet. You still got to run. <laughs> Don't stop for breakfast. All right. Uh, uh, what's? Oh wait, we got to talk about next week. Uh, John, yeah, Dana, you're you're up for this, I think. This yeah, one? I think it is me. Yep. All right. Uh, my choices are going to be uh, about fighting CGI in 2017. Okay. So these are uh, three movies where essentially they're just fighting CGI for the mass majority of the film. <laughs> Sounds great. I'm just... super excited <laughs> to do all these movies. <laughs> sure. Oddly enough, one is actually I'm gonna I'll, I'm gonna lead off with my heavy hitter of positivity, positive reviews from both critics and audience, <laughs> and that is Kong Skull Island. Yes. I, I think it's a movie that could still use some fixes, but it is a <laughs> 75% approval rating uh, from critics, 70% from audiences. And it's a movie that questions, is it more fun to watch Samuel L. Jackson in a staring contest, contest with a giant ape or John C. Riley goofing around? Um the next one is... Wait, hold on a second. Did you say 76 from the critics? 75. 75. Yeah. Yep. That's a little impressive, but I will say that I enjoyed the shit out of that movie. And then I let Nick watch it, and he thought it was funny. Dude, like, he loved it. We, I, I took Weston, and I took my, my kids, and uh, probably against my better judgment to let him go see Kong, Skull Island, because they both wanted to see it, and it's probably too much for my seven-year-old. But they friggin' loved it. Like that's w- one of Weston's favorite movies was Kong Skull Island when we saw it in theaters. <laughs> awesome, nice. Anyway, all right. Okay. So there's there's the cream of the crop. Now we're going to. <laughs> Jeez, I feel like he's great... kind of leading us by the nose here, Kevin. At this one. <laughs> <laughs> now we're going. Now we're going to the Great Wall. Well, it's all about what you want. Do you want a challenge or do you want <laughs> the to take Great the Great Wall? Take the, lob? Yes. the Great Wall, 2017 with Matt Damon. Oh my god! I'm sorry, I didn't, I'm winging these. I didn't write any uh, descriptions for them, but it was a 36% <laughs> from critics, 43% for audience ratings, and it begs the question if the Great Wall can be whitewashed or not. <laughs> and, <laughs> okay. Nice. okay. All right. Um, and then coming in from a director writer that I really like most of the time, apparently is King Arthur from 2017 <laughs> at a 29%. This one is baffling to me. 29% critic, 69% audience. So virtually the same audience rating as Kong Skull Island. Um, yeah, and that uh, ask if you can stylize the ancient tale of Arthur and his round table. Okay, I'm going to put PT on the spot and cut King Arthur. Oh, that's the one I was going to cut to. I'm not watching that piece of shit again. Yeah, that was that was like I could barely sit through, sit through the trailer for that. Okay. I'm, so, I'm so happy okay, you so cut that. We, so, Kevin, you've obviously then seen King Arthur. PT, you haven't seen it. Correct. Just seen the trailers. Yes. Okay. Well, I put it on the list because it's free right now, or it's on HBO or Amazon Prime <laughs> or something like that. And, and when it came out for free, I was like, man. 69% audience, and I really like Guy Ritchie. How bad can it be? Horrible. That 29% is generous. Yes, it is. <laughs> I do <laughs> not understand how anyone enjoyed that movie. Anyway, yeah. go on. Sweet. Yes, it very oh, much is. Glad we won't be doing it. All right, well, let's... Uh, 
Uh, let's do Kong Skull Island, I guess. Okay. I'm curious. Uh, yeah, I don't. I uh, I ha- I haven't seen. Uh, I have not seen the Great Wall. I've seen Kong, but I don't really want to see the Great Wall at all. I don't mind watching you know, Kong again. So. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not trying to change your mind, but when I realized, because I thought the Great Wall was gonna be like a historical, like fiction type of movie. It's not. Like as soon as I realized what it was, I reset my expectations like immediately in, at the beginning of the movie, and then I enjoyed it. I was like, "Oh, okay, now I get this movie." You you know what I don't get? Like, the Great Wall and is not good, and King Arthur is horrible, and I don't understand how the Great Wall ended up at forty three percent audience rating, and King Arthur just mind boggling. 69% from audiences. Like, I, I do not understand that at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like The Great Wall knows what kind of movie it is, and King yeah. Arthur didn't. That's, yes. I think that's the difference. Yeah. So, well, and I think The Great Wall pulled off the movie they were trying to make. You know, I mean, like, I, not, I do too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were like, oh, we're going to make aliens try. Like, that's the kind of the premises oh yeah we built the great wall to keep alien attackers out and whatever that's the exact movie they made and yep. king arthur was like we're gonna make a really cool witty uh movie based around nice of the round table kind of modernized version in that sense of the word uh with some cool dialogue and stylized effects and it was it was like almost incoherent it was horrible <laughs> almost it was <laughs> don't be yeah. nice <laughs> Don't be generous. All right. Awesome. Anyway, Kong. Yeah, cool. Let's Kong. Go Doing Kong. All right. Um, Kevin, what's going on in the movie review world these days? The dregs oh. of February. Yeah, well, there's going to be nothing new because I'm going on vacation for a few days to play baseball. So go back, read read some of my old stuff. If you missed the year in review for 2017, that's the one I recommend. Nice. So. Very cool. All right. Well, read those, check that out, and visit us at moviefixers.com and facebook.com forward slash moviefixerspodcast. Yeah. Also, email us. We want to really get somebody to give us some like help with choices. I really want to hear what other people want us to fix. So you can sure. put that on Facebook or you can send us an email at moviefixerspodcast at gmail.com. Nice. Very cool. All right, we will talk to you next week for Kong Skull Island. I think that's on HBO as well, isn't it? Or at least it was. Yep. Yeah, Sweet. I would say there was a 100% chance that you could pick a movie we were going to watch for free from my <laughs> list. Awesome. Nice. Oh, The Great Wall's out there too. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, we will check that out for free and come back and check out our thoughts. We'll talk to you next time. That's your fix. 